All right, I guess I'll just be like, hello, welcome to episode one of the... You don't even need to start it like that. This could be the start of it right here, just us jumping into conversation. Forget real intros. This is this is an unconventional show, Danny. It's going to be an unconventional introduction, I'd say. Okay, I second that. Fuck right. the intro. Oh, we're uh, going to curse on this thing, too. Oh, well, I planned on cursing on that. I guess I didn't lay down the ground rules before we start. No, so, I'm cool with cursing. That's uh, totally Yeah, but not, not, not too much. No, uh, not, not in excess. Any, any unfavorable cursing, I may in, have to have you removed off our publication. Right. No, 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 no. Of course. We're, right. we're going to keep things civilized. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, this is it. This is the Daily Dinger. Temporarily. I mean, we could keep that name. But if we don't live up to the daily, you know, if we're not putting out daily shows, maybe we won't be well, the daily dinger. We got, we got to, we got to be exciting. It's like the, the vision of the daily dinger that I have is, is like you, someone leaves a hanging curve and then someone just drops to one knee and just smacks it into the, into like right field or something. Just like hits that. a you know, moonshot like, like Alonzo did. Like a big surprising, big surprising dinger. Just, yeah, actually just, just like Alonzo did. Uh, and. Actually, a fun fact, Joe Girardi said that Alonzo is actually a great hitter after the seventh inning, and the facts support that. Yeah, no. So, basically, I think if you're listening to this right now, you probably won. You know us already, so you know that we're both dumb and decided to be Mets fans in uh, in our one lifetime right now. Um, so, this, while we say it's going to be a baseball podcast, it's probably going to be mostly Mets-related unfortunately, but if you're a Mets fan, maybe that's a good thing. And we'll talk some other sports too. Like right now, we'll, we'll, we got, we're about an hour away from tip off of game five of the NBA finals. So we might share our quick thoughts on that, but you know, right now it's, it's the daily dinger. So we're going to be talking baseball and dingers and all things included. A lot of dingers. It's Pete Alonzo dingers to be specific. Well, is that the first thing that we want to talk about? Is Pete no, Alonzo and his clutch hitting in the seventh inning or later? <laughs> well, no. Let's get into let's let's get into the series with the series with the Giants. They just came back from a West Coast road trip, so I guess they come home to play one of the lesser West Coast teams and you would hope that in this series they would be able to get two out of three, which they did. The first game not looking like not looking like they would be able to get two out of three losing 9-3, but then the next two games, especially with the Jason Vargas stepping up and getting the 7-0 win on the Wednesday game and then getting the 7-3 win on the Thursday game. Yeah, well, like I said before we started recording, pulling back the curtain a little bit, I really liked... Behind the scenes. Yeah, (laughs) I really liked not just that the Mets took 2-3 or in this series and in the series against Colorado, but the way that they did it. I mean, they lost both of the first games of both series. And it was nine to three against the Giants and five to one against the Rockies. And they really like the Giants lost. They got they gave up six runs in the top of the tenth. That was very deflating. In the Rockies game, you have the Murphy home run. That was deflating. So I like the way that this team has battled back. uh, Quick thing about Murphy. Quick thing about Murphy. I was I was at I was at the game. I was at two games against the Rockies, and every single time he steps up, he gets booed. Why? What? Like I don't get it. He. The Mets fans are booing Murphy. Yes, the whole state, the whole stadium is booing him. It's not, I, it's not, it's not our fault that our cheap asses didn't want to bring him back, and he went on to go hit four hundred with the Nationals. Yeah, like, I, I mean, 
I don't expect – I don't think any fan – I mean, I shouldn't say any. I definitely didn't expect Murphy to come back after that 2015 World Series run. And you know what? I People can be upset, but what was Daniel Murphy going to do if he stayed with the Mets? Uh, how much was he really going to help? Like, they would have still made the playoffs I mean, he, he in 2016. He would have booted some ground balls for us. I, I think that they're fine where they are. And he's not even in Washington anymore. And they, the Nationals stink. What could – I could understand why some fans might boo. He left the Mets and he crushed them while he was playing for a division rival. But it, at this point, whatever. Mets fans have a lot of other things to be upset about that aren't Daniel Murphy. So I, I couldn't believe that he got that. Yeah, loud like when Ruben, boos. like when Ruben Tejada went to the Orioles, that pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, but I mean, so, so what else do we want to talk? You wanted to talk about Jason Vargas? Yeah, J- Jason Vargas, far and away, far and away has been their best pitcher after probably being one of their worst last year. Uh, honestly, because... He, well, he didn't have a good start to this year. These 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 last these last eight starts, though? He's come on... You said his last eight? I'm just saying, this, se- this season, overall, he's probably been their most consistent pitcher. I mean, Matt, Matt's his stats would look a little better, especially, especially his first inning ERA, if he didn't give... If he didn't knock it out of the first inning in that one start. But still, I'm, I'm just saying that I, I think that I think that overall, I think in the especially in the last seven to eight starts, Vargas has definitely been one of their more consistent guys. He has, yeah, he has. Doesn't he have a sub two in these last seven starts? I think so. Yeah, I I remember seeing something. I mean, he was great in the Giants game. He he did everything that they needed out of a guy. I mean, I think that I don't well, want to expect. Game. I don't want to expect too much out of this oh, rotation, but you have to think that when these five guys are healthy, and I mean Degrom. Syndergaard, Wheeler, Mats, and Vargas. Each week, like each time they go through that rotation of those five guys, I would have to feel like I would expect that one of them, every rotation through, throws like a solid seven or eight inning game. You know, like it doesn't have to be a complete game shutout like Vargas threw. That's like a once a month sort of thing, maybe once a season for each of these guys. But with how this bullpen is right now and with how much they were worked in this first month and a half, you really need the starting pitching to go deep. And that was something that a lot of times they weren't doing. They were getting pulled after this, five this, or six. This bull, Watching some of these games and watching some of Mickey Callaway's bullpen management has made me want to put a thumbtack through my eye. <laughs> I, I mean, but, but, he, but here's the thing. Lugo coming back will really help. But you were right. You, you're, you're completely right. They Lugo's needed, been good. They needed they needed that complete game shutout in game two of the Giants series because of how, how much the bullpen's been overworked. Before. And then look what happened the next night. Familia closed out the game. I mean, it wasn't a save situation. They won by four. But Familia throws a one, two, three inning in the ninth to seal the seven to three win on Thursday night. Like that's just one night of rest that makes all the difference for a guy like Familia who is a heart attack, a walking heart attack when he's on the mound. Yeah, but dude you- – have to at some point he comes in in the seven three game. You got to kind of expect the classic familia. I like him to get one out, maybe let up a homer seven five, and then get the next two. Right, but he didn't do that. He literally blew right through the guys, just blew through the inning, closed out the game with not a bead of sweat coming down from my my eyebrow. It, it was it was a very uncharacteristic game, but I'm not going to complain about it because it was it was great. And then he was great over the weekend too in the Rockies. Series. And the the thing is the thing is why I feel like the bullpen could have been so bad is because it, it's almost like, in Callaway's case, I know we were messing around before, but 
in in Callaway's case, at some, at some point, once once Diaz blows a game against the Dodgers, at that at that point, it's like who 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 do I go to? Because you at, before before Lugo came back, this was really a three man a three man pen in high leverage in high leverage situations. I mean, who else can you go to besides Gazelman, Gazelman, uh, Amelia, and Diaz? And then and I wouldn't even say Gazelman. He got he's been getting shelled his last few times out. Yeah, but he but he's better but he's better than Drew Gagne and. Well, yeah, and he's better than Hector Santiago, and I mean, I think, I think what what people, I think Justin Wilson, he's doing his AAA rehab assignment. I think he'll help this team a lot. I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a bad pitcher. I think he, he'll end up coming back and helping this team a lot. Because realistically, what when healthy on on opening day of the season, you would think that they would have a decent bullpen. Yeah, was is Will Wilson's a lefty, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say because I think I remember seeing. Santiago, I believe, is the only left-handed pitcher in their bullpen right now. Yeah, I was, I, I was, um, and that's I, not great, especially when you have a manager that loves to go through his bullpen and change guys after they face one batter or only face like only get one out and then they don't come out for the next inning. That's the one thing that I hate. I hate when people miss like overmanage bullpens, and I thought. Callaway did something good for once. I believe it was the Saturday game. It was either the Saturday or the Sunday game. Lugo came in in, in the seventh, and then he kept him in in the eighth because he didn't have to use a pinch hitter for him because he didn't bat in the bottom of the seventh. Like, if a relief pitcher has a good half an inning, like Lugo did, and his bat his 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 spot in the order doesn't come up in the bottom of the inning, why take him out? You know, you, you save an arm. Lugo was a starter before he came up. He can pitch another inning. So, I like, out of he all the bad decisions. The next, he can't pitch the next day, though. But it, that's fine because he didn't need fine. to. You're right. It is it, it, it is fine because he didn't need to. And I think that when he, he – has, I think he has better stuff than a lot of – and he has four pitches as a reliever. He's got much better stuff than that's, that's, all, that's everybody huge. in the bullpen. That's huge. He has uh, – uh, most relievers who come out don't have four or five pitches. And if he can get that curveball going just to see a guy once in a game, like if you if you let a guy face Lugo once he gets like through the lineup for a second time, the third time around, a guy maybe have, may have caught on to his curveball by now. But if you're just coming in and facing Lugo cold without having without having seen him before in the game, you know, it, he, I think he's one of the tougher guys to face. Because, like you said, he's got the versatility. He's got four different pitches that he can use. He can keep guys on their toes, and if he can stay healthy, like you said, I think I think he is the big piece for the bullpen moving forward. Because he's the guy who can stop the bleeding in games and go and give multiple innings when needed. I think that he's 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 what they would hope that Gazelman would be. They would thought they'd have two of those guys, former yeah. starter, and then it's just I just think Lugo just has much better stuff. Yeah. So well, we got the Rockies, the the Rockies series, which is actually a great series win, in my opinion, because they they'd come in winning eleven of their last thirteen or something, or fourteen of their last seventeen, something like that. They've been one of the hottest teams in baseball. Sunday's win was just so much fun. The offense, like the the, I love this lineup. Even though there's still some games where you just get that feeling and you can see they're not going to do a damn thing. They're not going to get anybody on base. They're just not going to get hits together tonight. But there's some days where this lineup is clicking, and yeah, and Sunday was one of them. In a way, and it was a fun, a fun game to a, watch. In, in, in a way, too, is in a way a B team lineup in a way. You had you had Nito playing for Ramos. You had Davis is a great hitter, but you had him you had him in left field, and then you had uh, instead of 
instead of um, McNeil, who I think should should play. But yeah, right. No, but the, he's just coming back, so they're trying to ease him back a little bit. That was a, no, but that was that was a that was a great win, especially especially with with Frazier in in the uh, first in the bottom of the first inning after you get a after you get a Rosario single. And a, and a Conforto double, which was that that was good to see. Just kick the game off, kick, kick the game off with a bang. I was actually, I'd actually missed missed the missed the top of the first because of the traffic on the GWB. Besides the point, I got there in in the bottom of the first, and I and I got there and I saw Rosario standing standing on first, and then again then Conforto. I mean Rosario on third and Conforto on second, and then Frazier just comes up and just nails that homer. So got the game got the game started off pretty fast, and he's he's been really good too. And if he's really good, that's a big part of the lineup. No, yeah, you want to you want to hear something crazy? And I didn't. I had to check it to make sure. Todd Frazier's hitting two sixty five right now. Yeah, I know he was hitting. He was hitting. He below was, 200. He was, yeah, when I saw the series, uh, the couple games in the series against the Nationals in New York a few weeks ago, before they went to the West Coast, I Thanks swear. <laughs> Todd Frazier was hitting 203 or something around there, and in the last, and since then, he's been on like he's he's been on a tear. He's been hitting a few. He's gotten big home runs, getting big base hits, making great plays in the field. And I mean, I said before, think, Jeff McNeil has to be taking you, a spot. But do you think that me and you would be able to take Todd Frazier two on one? No, absolutely not. That guy's tough is tough as nails. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, he he calls it. He calls everybody's like sup big dog. So like I don't know. Yeah, he could be. He could be pretty tough, honestly. Former Little League World Series. I mean, but that's the classic Frazier story. I feel like every single time the game is on ESPN or whatever, they mention the Little League World Series. Yeah, they did it with uh, Chris Jury too. You know Chris Jury, the old hockey player. He he won a Little League World Series, and they always talked about it with him. Yeah. Um, but I want to get back to another thing that I wanted to say. Or well, first, back to what this lineup does. When they were good in 2015 and 16, a lot of the times they relied on home runs and they didn't rely on guys just getting on base, you know, compiling hits together, now kind of both. like what the 2015 Royals did. And like you said, yes, this team does hit home runs now. They have a guy in Alonzo who's probably going to hit 40, could hit 50. Conforto's a guy where if he stays healthy, he could probably get around 25 to 30. And, you know, who knows with what else can happen with Frazier and J.D. Davis. And, I mean, Rosario's hitting, hitting for power much better this year. But this team, these guys, they score in different ways, like you said. And the inning that stuck out to me, just two plays, was Echeverria getting a single, stealing second, and then with Gomez just hitting a regular base hit to right center field, Echeverria scores. Like, it, that just reminds me of what good baseball teams do, like, the Royals, they they would get one guy on base, and if there was less than two outs, you had a feeling that he was scoring, no matter what. Like they were going to find a way to get him around the bases, and that that play just showed me that this lineup was capable of doing that. And like, do you know how bad the Mets were at stealing bases the last few years? How bad of a base running team they were? Okay, overall? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that they were they were better than the Marlins but probably a lot worse than the Padres. I think that the Mets were one of the slowest and just worst base running teams in the league the last few years. And they said... No, they got to spice it up a little bit. Well, they that, said on think... Saturday they had three stolen bases and two runs, 
or two of those stolen bases led to runs. So that just shows you their base running is is like it's a direct result to their offense being better. They have better base runners in this lineup, and that's that's something refreshing. Well, because this lineup has has no Billy Hamilton speedster, but obviously Rosario can run, McNeil can run. Uh, you have Gomez who can obviously run, Conforto who can run. But it's not I, just speed too; it's it's being smart, smart on the base pass. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, and it's and it's also and it's also I think that. Lately, they've been doing a good job of using the depth on this roster because I, I think that you have obviously Lagaris who could play Lagar Lagaris Lagaris and Gomez sort of I feel like get, are getting equal playing time in a way. Honestly, for right now, I think that you probably would want to have Gomez in there because he's been hitting he's been hitting better. But to, but today's Yank today's game against the Yankees before it got postponed, they had Lagaris playing center field and batting nine, and then Alonso as the DH. So that that's the thing too. It's it's about I mean with. You have to argue that with Cano gone, it's realistically with the way Smith's been hitting. I mean, Smith has been showing why he was ranked the, one of the top prospects in the organization at one point. Yeah, Smith like, forced them to almost make him an everyday player. And, it, and it's and, and it's not it's not unfortunate because the best player has to play. But for Smith, it's that you you would think that before he picked up, if he didn't pick up his play, Alonzo sort of took his job because Alonzo's not gonna Alonzo's not gonna not play. But then it's it's just the it's just the issue of that Cano is hurt right now, and if hopefully if Cano plays like the back of his baseball card, I feel like at, at the end of this you're probably gonna have to have Cano at second base and put McNeil in left field. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what's gonna happen with Cano, man. He had such a good first couple weeks, and I tried to be optimistic about the trade, and after after the LA game where Diaz blew. Blew the lead in the ninth, and they lost to the Dodgers in that game. I was ready to, I was ready to jump. Oh, I would, I would be a huge fraud right now if I said that I didn't like that trade. As soon after we did that trade, I, I thought that we had the best starting pitcher and the best closer in baseball. Yeah, I and I said, and what's wrong with getting a first ballot Hall of Famer who's probably a little bit, definitely a little bit past his prime, but like is by no means too old smooth. to put up numbers. He's one of those guys who, even though he's older. He does, he's smooth. His swing is so smooth. He just seems like he's one of those guys who just knows hitting, and it just comes naturally to him. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think his presence in the clubhouse has been very huge for this team. Like, yeah, showing now that David Wright hustle and everything. Well, okay, yeah, that doesn't look good. But like, you've heard, like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. you've heard. Well, no, like that is something that you know that really pisses off fans and probably coaches and maybe teammates too. Like. <laughs> What's a guy like Brandon Nimmo think when he sees a, a veteran out there doing that? That guy's Mr. Hustle all the time. But Yo, with Cano, take, that guy doesn't have a job. Oh, my God, no. He's, it, it, this season's been very unfortunate for him. Not just because he started off bad and he's injured, but, yeah, it's, I think that it's this not could, looking this great. Could, this could ruin a lot of stuff with how other guys are playing. Yeah. And I, and I feel bad because he's obviously one of the nicest guys there is, but I'm just saying, this could. I mean, where's he going to play? <laughs> I mean, uh, it's already it's 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 already like I mean because think about it like this the infield becomes even more clogged for someone like McNeil when if Lowry comes back. I I completely forgot that Jed Lowry was even on the team. I like Echeverria yeah, every, too. Every I guy, wouldn't hate Echeverria starting at second most of the day. Every like, CAA no, no. guy, every CAA guy is on this team, John. You gotta know. All right. <laughs> I I, I got to keep a list of all of Brody Van Wagenen's clients on me at all times. The Yankees who've been kind of sputtering in a way. I mean, it does, I guess it doesn't really matter too much because they started off so well and they'd won like 
13 straight series or something going into their road trip against the Blue Jays, 11, 11 or 13 straight series. So, I mean, obviously they were bound to drop one, but it just doesn't look that encouraging when you're facing a pretty bad lineup like the Blue Jays. And then you have Zach Britton, who I wanted the Mets to get, who has electric stuff. He comes in and, and blows that game. And you lose 11-7 in the, in the middle game and 4-3 four, four, in the first one just because the four three in the first one, I mean, wasn't too big of a deal. They just got a they got a homer from a homer from Freddie Galvis, and then a uh, another another solo shot. But the one the one that was for real is when Britain Britain left a left a low pitch to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Guerrero Jr. just put it in the seats, and then he ended up blowing that game, and they lost eleven seven. So wait, did the Yankees win their series in Toronto or no? Uh, no. No, they lost the first two games, and then they won the final one six two. Okay, and then, and then and then they just lost their series against the Indians too. They just dropped their first two. That's what I was saying. They and they had, they almost got swept. They had to they had to come back. Well, they blew the lead in the ninth. I saw Chapman blew a save. Well, and eh, then they ended up winning an extra. Blew the save, Gregorius. Eh, okay, technically Chapman blew the save because Chapman was pitching. I get it, but 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 Didi who. He he came back off the DL and he was hitting doubles and homers and everyone was like, oh my god, where is this guy? It's like Babe Ruth's back. And then in in the and then in the ninth in the ninth inning he got a little he got a ground ball and he booted it and that let the that let the Indians tie the game. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a doubleheader tomorrow. Tomorrow being Tuesday, the Subway Series becomes important for both teams now, kind of. Yeah, I mean, if the Mets can win both of these games, they're above five hundred after after Tuesday night. It's not even just. It's not even just. Here's the Mets start. I have the schedule up right now. They we they start a, a stretch. They start a stretch where this will really show. They have a good, very tough schedule. How good of a team the they are. They, they got We have they have the Yankees. Then they have the Cardinals for a four game set at home. And then they have three of the top teams in the National League for the rest of the month. Yeah, they yeah. got the Braves, the Cubs, the Phillies, and then the Braves again. And they got to play the, the Yankees Braves, again after the Braves. And they play. They have to play. Uh, what is this? Let's got, see. Do math here. The eleven. They play eleven straight road games. They have a three-game series in Atlanta, a four-game series in Chicago, and then a four-game series in Philadelphia before coming back home to play Atlanta. And they actually they have to play. Let's see more math. They have to play eighteen straight games after this doubleheader with the Yankees. They have one day off. They're off Wednesday before going back to City Field to play St. Louis. And then they got they got to play 18 straight games, starting with that series with the Cardinals on Thursday. So this is this is quite a test for them. Like, they, this could either mm. – this could go one of two ways. I don't think that they're going to go on a tear and win a majority of these games. They're either going to stay afloat around 500 or something's going to happen and they could go into a tailspin before the All-Star break. Uh. Would I be bad fan if I say tailspin more likely? No, because I think that's the more likely result that more fans are thinking is going to happen. But why though? Like that's because they're Mets fans. That's what happens. More bad happens than good. No, but here's the thing, though. The thing. The thing is, okay, tailspin anticipated. So even after all this good, we talk. We can both agree, tailspin anticipated. So. No, I won't say it's anticipated. I'd say it's more likely. No, it's a very hard road trip. They can't have any injuries. And Syndergaard and Vargas, everybody, every pitcher right now, aside from DeGrom, and it's not really his fault, is 
on the ups as on the upswing right now, and they need to keep going on this upswing. Uh, two weeks ago, people were very not ha- very much not happy with Noah Syndergaard. He was not doing well, but now after his last two starts, he's back on the he's he's doing much better. He has the ability if if if, if Dave Island and Cowley and him can just all just just realize and they can just try and change something or whatever that. He has the ability to be one of the best pitchers in baseball, just with with his velocity, with his stuff. When he's locked in, he has the ability to be really, really good. People thought, especially, especially with the when he when he's able to locate his fastball too, because when he's able to put it on the black and get a lot of those looking strike calls, and he could throw 90, 99 miles an hour, and he could throw his slider in the high eighties, low nineties. He he becomes really hard to hit. Yeah, no, I agree. It's there's they. I mean. What did he do? He just, what did he just do on Sunday? He had gave up one hit through eight innings. Yeah, he threw seven innings, right? Seven seven scoreless seven scoreless innings, and then Santiago Santiago came That's in. That's right. For the it was ninth. seven, not eight. And then Santiago came in for the ninth and gave a, gave up that one run. So that's why it was six one. But right. So what do you? So okay. So we got the. Uh, MB, we got the NBA Finals. Well, before before we before we switch to that, just real quick, pitching matchups tomorrow against the Yankees. We got Wheeler versus Tanaka in Game One. I really like that. I think Wheeler's been doing well over his last. He, he, he's gone. It's what is it? I'm trying to think. It. I'm looking up right now. He's gone seven innings in three of the last, or and has given up three or four runs in each of the last four starts. So he's doing all right. And we honestly, have to. I've never been a Tanaka fan. I I think Tanaka is extremely overrated. Yeah, but you're but you're underestimating, you're underestimating that Tanaka may be able to ch- channel his inner Fred Van Fleet because he just had a kid. Maybe so we're, we're 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 facing Tanaka first game after he just after his wife just gave birth to a new kid. All right, so he's gonna throw a no hitter tomorrow. Okay, so then they're gonna win the second game. Vargas is going against Paxson. You got to match up a southpaws. And Paxton's just coming back from an injury, and from what I've read in the last 15 seconds here, it's that he's still not 100% back to where they'd like him to be. So, yo, he had to get – he had, yo, James Paxton, here's my hot take about James Paxton. Sissy. Let's hear it. James Paxton is a sissy. Let me tell you why. Ooh. Eh, well, here's the thing. It's easy to say on the podcast he's a sissy. If I saw him in real life, probably not sissy, but for now, sissy. All right, so, fair. So he he uh, was saying that he had to get a uh, sports psychologist or whatever because he was getting anxious about playing in New York. I I mean I get it. Some, sometimes it's not four players, but I think that could that could factor in too. I don't you know who would have helped probably, or who or who would have benefited from getting some help about being anxious and doing bad things while playing in New York, Matt let me guess. Oh, okay. I was gonna say Jason Bay. Well, <laughs> or, Jason Bay just needed a hitting coach. Yeah, the, this. So did Mike Baxter. <laughs> Mike Baxter made the catch to save Santana's no hitter. That, he's he's ran, done my part. Ran, that's the random athlete right there of, of of the show right there. Mike Baxter. Everyone Google Mike Baxter and All how right. and how he made and how he saved Yohan Santana's no hitter. Yeah, this anyway. we'll make it a recurring thing. But so that Mike Baxter, perfect transition to our last little thing before we duck out here from the inaugural episode. NBA Finals. I don't know how much you've been watching, Danny, but uh, what's your take? You think the Raptors get it done tonight? No. I no? My, Here's my take. I think that if they were down 3-0 and KD came back, we would see the first 3-0 comeback. 
I think they're going to win in seven. You think the Warriors are going to win? See, now, I would love that because I think – I personally feel I like Kevin Durant a lot more than the average person does. And maybe not just like, but doesn't dog him for his decision to go to Golden State. But I think him coming back is huge. I don't know how healthy he is. I think that him coming back gives the Warriors their only chance of coming back. Like, if he wasn't playing tonight, the series is over. Well, I mean, John, here's the thing, though. It's it's The thing is, is he clearly he, – he, he would have said in, in an interview or something, um, I'm completely focused on resigning in Golden State. He hasn't said that for a reason because if he was going to resign, resign there, then he would have, then he would have just, then he would have just said it. And I think that if he was, and if he, and if he knew that he had a long-term deal with this team, then he would, then he would play. Because we've seen athletes before. Obviously, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people like Skip Bayless and stuff pretend that they're in these guys' bodies and know what hurts and everything. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is like To has played on a torn ACL, and I feel like if Steph Curry had this injury, there's a chance he may try and gut it out. Yeah, I mean, I play gutted it out in game four and scored a team high 28. And I mean, I'm sure KD is going to be a big part of the Warriors offense tonight. So it, it's going to be interesting. Like if there's anyone, if there's anyone in this league who can carry a team back from three, one, it's Kevin Durant. But I, I think also the Ra- the Raptors are just the perfect team to beat the Warriors. They have more size and they still have enough of a scoring punch. And they play amazing defense, and they're just grabbing every rebound over them. And the, the Warriors, they can't go big against them because well, their big guys are faster than. It's Golden a big State. deal. I mean, it's a big deal that it's a big deal that KD is coming. I mean, right, right yeah, in the it's last a huge game, deal. right, right when no, I'm just saying, even in the line, they're I think that are favored now by minus one. I think they're they're minus one now, and before that they were a plus one thirty eight, and then a plus one hundred five. So that so Vegas thinks that they're going to win by having KD come back. And yeah, of course, I mean, I would have to shows, agree. He, I mean, what, you think they win tonight or the series? I think that they win tonight. I think if they win tonight, there's a good chance that they'll win the series. Like, I think Toronto, they need to close oh, it out man. tonight. You can't give them any game momentum. seven in Toronto. Wow. As, that'll, as, that's going to be crazy. The as Kevin Millar that... said, like, just don't let them win tonight. Because if they win tonight, you know, it's like, then you got game six back in Oakland, and then anything can happen in game seven. Are, are the Raptors in a way, though? Are the Raptors in a way like with uh with with Nick Nurse and Kawhi Leonard? Do you think they're finally the team, the, the people that are just able to finally? Because the normal thing to do would be would be to just say pe- teams because teams have gone up on them. I mean, te- teams go up on them and then they just they just come back. You know what I mean? Like look at the like uh, even in, even in the Portland even in the Portland series, Portland would get up by a ten point lead, then the Warriors would come back. Well, that's then, the yeah, that's the thing. In, in Sorry, Toronto, in Toronto, they've. Uh, in this Toronto series, Toronto's actually been able to score some buckets, of course, without KD there, but they've been able to, uh, they've been able to um, withstand the lead. So I don't know, maybe Toronto is, is that team who can actually play well enough and be smart enough. And they have a good enough superstar of their own in Leonard, who is actually able to like slave off this, this warrior, this new warriors edition, I guess, off the injured list and Durant. Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, I think that the Raptors, they're the, I, they're the best team that this Warriors dynasty has faced in the finals. I think they're better than, they're no, this Raptors team is much better than those Cleveland teams. With Kyrie and Kevin Love. Yes, I think that this Raptors team would have beat that Cavs team in six. Really. Yeah, but I mean that's a debate for another day. No, I think 
this is the best team that yeah. they've that they've had to face. Like and like we said, the Warriors with a healthy Durant tonight, if Durant's full one hundred percent or at least seventy five, they could come out here and dust them by twenty on their home floor. Like maybe it was just Durant being out. Like they win that tonight. Bit. If they win tonight, they're not losing that game at home. I wouldn't think so, but the Raptors also dusted them twice in Golden State. So we'll see what happens, but I it'll be interesting. And the nice thing is, is that even once this NBA season's over, the fun still happens over the offseason. And if the Nets and hey. – I mean, we'll be talking about the NBA offseason at some point, you know, as long as we, we keep going with this podcast and as long as the Mets are making us talk about things. So we'll mix in yeah. the NBA too. We'll mix in some random athletes, but – uh. I think we're good here. I think we're good for episode one. That has been episode one of the Daily Dinger podcast, the start to something great, I believe. Beautiful, some would say. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for listening, everybody. This has been episode one of the Daily Dinger podcast.